Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 214. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Dog Tooth director Yorgos Lanthimos' latest, The Lobster, along with the newly released martial arts action film, Kill Zone 2, or SPL2 as it was called internationally. Time for consequences. Time for consequences. I love that subtitle. <laughs> I love all subtitles. They're all great. That one's particularly good, though. Time for consequences. Sounds like a parent. Sounds like a parent <laughs> talking to their child who just got in trouble for doing something. <laughs> Uh, we'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching in the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Got a couple of bits of news. Uh, I was kind of scrounging things together last minute, so I'm sure that I missed a couple things this week, but hey, we're going to roll with it. Got uh, some casting news here. Uh, uh-huh. the, the Blade Runner sequel okay. that's going to be directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve. It's going to be, uh, they're adding Carla yuri to that list now you do you do are you does that name ring a bell to you uh probably not probably not she was the she was the star of wetlands the the german film that i was a big fan of a couple years or i guess technically came out last year okay okay but uh pretty excited for that i mean that's shaping up to be an interesting movie i'm i'm very curious to see what they do with that Shaping up to be better than the original, I think. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I it wouldn't take that. Much. Here's the only. Here's the thing. If they if they get the look down, I'll be happy. As long as it has this, a similar look to the original, but a better story, I'm I'm in. Because I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't like Blade Runner. I never have. I've yeah. I've watched it probably three times. In my life, and every single time I have to stop it because I fall asleep. I don't know what it is about that movie, but it puts me to sleep. Hmm. You have trouble staying awake for a lot of films. Well, if if a movie doesn't hold my attention, I'm out. <laughs> you gotta. You, apparently, you need to catch up on a shit ton of sleep. <laughs> uh, I think it's just that I'm getting old. Actually, no that that would happen to me even when I was younger. Attempting to watch Blade Runner. The, the same You've thing. Always got sleep on your mind. The same just like, right, it's time to get some sleep. The same thing happened when I tried to watch the the Matrix sequel, the second one. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know which what the subtitle of that one was, Revolution or whatever. Uh, I tried to watch that like three times, and all three attempts resulted in me falling asleep. Wow. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I've ever fallen asleep during a movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it, well, maybe like once or twice. It's probably just because, like, I watch movies all the time, and I'll just put them on whenever. Like, I don't, it's not like a thing where I, I prepare for it and plan for it and sit down. Yeah. Like, I just put them on. Even if I'm, think- like, even if I'm feeling tired and it's late at night, I'll just put one on. See, I think I just, I, I recognize it. Early, yeah, like, like oh, I'm falling asleep. Yeah. Fuck this, turn it off. I'm going to bed. Don't want to miss anything. And then sometimes, like, if the movie's not holding my interest, I just don't go back to it. <laughs> just like oh, that was a waste. Oh, of I've hour. Done, yeah, I do that. I do that sometimes. Usually, I try to 
stick it through. But uh, we've got uh, let's see some more casting news. Michael B. Jordan joins Black Panther. Oh boy! So uh, he's uh, reuniting with Ryan Coogler for some Black Panther action. Uh, they his role hasn't been revealed yet, but it's uh, I believe that he's going to be a villain. It's it's largely speculated that he's going to play some sort of villain. So that could be cool. That that movie's shaping up to be pretty awesome too, especially because the, after seeing the character in action in Civil War, I'm I'm definitely interested in it now. You're all in. Yeah, that that, that one does seem interesting. I think it'll be good. I hope so. I'm I'm sure it will be. At this point with with Marvel movies, I'm I'm beyond the cautiously optimistic area. I just I'm just in. Did you wander into fanboy territory? Uh, I don't. Have you set up? Have you set up camp? No, I, I don't think so. Fanboy. I wouldn't call okay. myself a fanboy just just yet. I mean, it would take a lot. I think it takes a lot to become a fanboy of something. Like you got to have you know posters and figurines, and you got to really you got to really get in there. You got to have like all of them on Blu-ray and know know everything, know all the ins and outs. So you're not. You're not, not attacking people on Twitter yet. No. Oh God. <laughs> oh God, no. That it, it will never it will never get to that level. You got too much sleep to catch up on. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh the the next film by Yorgos Lanthimos has been announced. So keep keeping oh. in the theme of this week's show, or part of the theme at least. Uh, his next movie is going to be called The Killing of a Sacred Deer, okay. and it's going to star Colin Farrell. Nice. Yeah, much like I'm The in. Lobster. So, uh, not not a whole lot known about this, but it's going to be a tragedy that is about a charismatic surgeon and a teenage boy who seeks to integrate him into his broken family. But when the boy's actions become increasingly sinister, uh, the the surgeon's ideal life starts to fall apart and he's forced to make an unthinkable sacrifice oh boy yeah so it sounds like it's gonna be pretty heavy oh boy but again all in uh and then i just have some trailers just some trailers to talk about this week get hit me what trailers you got inferno this is the third uh da vinci code movie with tom hanks oh jesus christ i haven't watched this trailer because I saw the first two Da Vinci Code movies, and I could not stand them. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Da Vinci Code was still a thing. No, apparently it is. I like the That's... idea. I mean, I'm playing right now. I'm playing through Uncharted Four, which, as a result, I only have one movie on my watch list <laughs> this week. <laughs> so um, I-, I like the idea of of uh, you know adventuring and finding clues and like ancient learning about ancient civilizations and history and stuff like that i like all of those types of things but for some reason i don't like the da vinci code movies and i don't like the national treasure movies i haven't watched either i I think it's more that they're just not very good i I think that the the thematic elements are there but i just don't think they're very good no they don't look they don't look good no uh what do you ever i was never enticed yeah well yeah, they're just they're just meh. The Da Vinci Code ones are meh. The National Treasure ones I actively think are are bad. <laughs> like I, I think those are objectively bad movies. <laughs> uh, Woody Allen's next film, Cafe Society, got a trailer. Oh boy! 
I'm into this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I haven't seen it. The the Woody Allen movies. I mean, he comes out with at least one every year, and I would say maybe every other one or every two piques my interest. But the funny thing is, the ones that do pique my interest and that I that I do see, oftentimes I love them. So this one I'm really interested in. It takes place in uh, the 30s, and it's it jumps between uh, New York and L.A. in the th- in the 30s, and stars Jesse Eisenberg. There's a there's a huge cast in this, as with most of his movies these days, and it it looks looks good. Okay, all right, I'll watch it. Watch it. Don't always do. Don't breathe. Got a trailer. This is the new one from Fide Alvarez, the guy who directed the Evil Dead remake. And uh, oh, this one looks good. This one is a so this it's basically the opposite of that Hush movie. So it's about three people who decide to I guess they need money for something and they decide to break into the home of this blind man who they heard a rumor that he's worth like he has like three hundred thousand dollars stashed away in his house and he's blind so they they decide to break into his house and steal it but it turns out that he's like a crazy psycho killer or something oh boy oh man so it's them trying to escape his house the house of this blind man as he kind of tries to hunt them down it looks the the he's got this heightened sense senses yeah oh man the, Good luck, guys. the trailer was intense for this one. I'm I'm actually really excited for this. It was a really good trailer. Uh, so that that one's definitely one to keep an eye out for. Don't breathe. Uh, Assassin's Creed. Hey, I saw that one. This is the I saw a trailer. It's probably the the biggie for this week. Assassin's Creed got a, a, its first trailer. It's the one with Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, directed by is it Justin Justin Cur- Justin Kersel. Who did Macbeth? Now, what did you think of this? What did you think of the trailer? Uh, it looks pretty cool. I still, I'm still not 100 percent sold on it, but same here, same here. It's uh, it looks interesting. It looks, it looks like I, I read something that said that the they only loosely adapted the game, but judging from the trailer, it looked a lot like the game, like just the the way that they moved and the like the parkour type stuff. Yeah. It it looked a lot like the game, and and the way that the future parts looked when he, you know, when before he enters the animus, yeah, like all that all that stuff looked very similar to the which, game. Which I didn't know, like that that was part of the game. Oh, that it takes place like, in I, the future. <laughs> yeah, like, start doing I'm like what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing that a lot of people because they never really focus on it. It's just like in the beginning, and then different parts of the game take you back to the future but so a lot of people that that aren't familiar with the game don't realize that every, yeah, everything but... in the movie is basically in memories it's like playing out memories it's like vr basically yeah i was just like that's a weird thing to add to this movie <laughs> and then i found out that it's like oh no that, they didn't add that okay yeah <laughs> i don't know anything about this game apparently well I'm sure the movie will fill you in. Uh, what's her name? Looks really badass in this movie. Uh, Ariane Lebed. Mm-hmm. She's the other assassin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looks good. It should be. I mean, it should at least be visually interesting. Yeah. It, it, the visuals definitely look strong. So I'm I'm hoping 
that this is going to finally break that damn video game curse. Because uh, Ratchet and Clank certainly didn't. <laughs> uh, all right. That's pretty much all I have. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about... Which one do you want to start with? You want... Don't matter. All right. Um, we'll, we'll talk about The Lobster since, since we just mentioned the director. So this is uh, directed by Jorgos Lanthimos. I have a synopsis here. In a dystopian near future... Single people, according to the laws of the city, are taken to the hotel where they are obliged to find a romantic partner in 45 days or or are transformed into beasts and sent off into the woods. This stars Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz. I guess, do you want me to start this one off? Start it off. Uh, I I was a big fan of The Lobster. This director, I think that uh, he's got such a unique vision for his movies like this movie is so odd it's just so strange and this world that he created where people get turned into animals it's it's just a weird ass premise but it totally worked for me and i completely like one of the big things about this movie that you, you you can sort of gleam it from the trailer but it's just how uh lacking in personality any of these people had and just mm-hmm. how they spoke to one another, where it almost felt like, um, uh, what's that one director? Is it the director that did Pickpocket, where they just kind of speak in like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Robert Bersan, yeah, where they just speak. It, it almost sounds like they're everything that they're saying is uh, like prepared, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was so funny for some reason. <laughs> And I just, I liked that, that style. Yeah, there's a lot of awkwardness between really everyone, all the interactions. Yeah. And they're all kind of monotone. I thought, really no emotions behind them. I thought it was funny. Uh, I thought that it was extremely awkward. And for me, that's, that's a good thing. I like awkward in movies because my life is awkward and I like to relate. I liked the, the one one of the things, and I don't know why this came as a surprise to me, but there are like a number of kind of shocking things that take place in this, like kind of violent things that that caught me off guard. Yeah, there were there are a couple of, especially everything with the heartless woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of escalates, and where that goes. Yeah, I mean Jesus, which was it's just such an odd portion of the movie, really. It was. <laughs> so, there's so many things to discuss. Yeah, so basically, just, just going back, uh, Colin Farrell's life, life, his wife leaves him, and he's like, okay, I don't, I don't have a partner, so now he has to go to this hotel to try to find a mate. And w- one of the things that I liked the most about this movie was just the procedures, like how, how this hotel worked and the things that they did in order to try to match people up. And just how clinical it all was, and how like, oh, yeah. like, like procedural <clears throat> everything was. I, I loved seeing the various things that they had to do, like with the, tying the one hand behind the back, and then the... the, the, uh... <laughs> the yeah, there's so much thought put into it, which that in and of itself makes it um, pretty captivating on its own. It's just, you, you, the interest is held just in order to see you know, all the aspects of this world just to try and, you know, 
just seeing what how everything plays out and what the rules are and and all of that. I mean, you don't even need anything else. You just you have that, and that's enough to hold your interest for the entire runtime. But then they add on to it as well. But it's so wonderfully realized. Such attention to detail. Yeah. Yep. Like all of the like the like the dining room scene and like the the very <laughs> the various activities that they do, like the dance and then the the periodic uh, updates, I guess that they have people give in front of the group. <laughs> With, yeah what their defining characteristic yeah. is yeah it's just it's and there's such subtle humor too everywhere especially like the dining scene the fact that they're all facing forward like it's a classroom mm-hmm. and they have to eat eat alone but the fact that it's facing the couples on the other side yeah. like they have to watch the couples while they eat yep but I also, <laughs> I also love that a lot of this is based around finding these really surface level connections with people like like there's a there's a guy that Colin Farrell becomes friends with and he's all these people at this point are so desperate to find a, a match that because they don't want to get turned into an animal that he that he knows that there's this one girl that has nosebleeds so he forces himself to have nosebleeds around her to like create this false m- match and because of that, they end up, you know, getting married or whatever. And I, 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 it's a weird concept. One thing I didn't understand was the whole assigning children thing. Like, where did those, I, like, where I did those children it. come from? I, I love how they start talking about it. If you start having arguments and you're not able to work through those arguments, you'll be assigned children because that usually helps. Because it gives you, it gives you a distraction. It gives you something else that you have to deal with. But what I'm, what I'm wondering is it? <laughs> yeah, where do they get? Who has the children? Is it, is it like permanent, or is that just an exercise? That's it, permanent. It, it is. A, well, that's permanent. Uh, my guess is, but well, that's yeah, what I thought. But then I was like, ah, uh, maybe it's just temporary until they pass the uh, whatever you know tests. But it is like, where are those children coming from? Is there a child farm? I have no but idea. I, mean, they're, I guess they're, I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're orphans or maybe the children themselves get reassigned maybe. to different things. They also didn't, at the beginning, when he, when he goes and first uh, like checks in at the hotel, they ask him if he's a heterosexual or homosexual. And he, he the funny thing is that he's like f- trying to think about which one he wants to pick. And then... That he asks if there's a bisexual option, and there's is it there's not because of issue procedural issues or something that they had or whatever. And what I was kind of hoping was to see if there were differences between the heterosexual because the way it was set up, it seemed like it was only for heterosexual couples. Yeah, like I didn't see any uh, same sex couples there, and I was wondering, like I was just curious if there were different procedures. Maybe they kept the those people in a different area they're a different wing of the hotel yeah because some of those things that they go through i think would be different for same-sex partners i would imagine yeah i just i, I wanted there was just there was so much more i wanted to learn out of this movie <laughs> i know i just, I just I wanted to i wanted to be in this world more and just figure out more of the rules and what happens yeah so one other thing that they do in addition to the activities and 
learning to uh, meeting each other, trying to find their match. Uh, they uh, periodically alarms will sound and they have to go out hunting. <laughs> and this was another whole thing that, that was so odd. <laughs> and I love the way that they kind of, they kind of allude to it at the beginning, like when he first gets to his hotel room. Yeah, the, the dart gun. Dart, yeah, he just has a dart gun with darts. With 12 and tranquilizer darts. And then, he, and then they just, yeah, they look out the window. There's and there's just people. people. Yeah, they, they, like, oh, yeah, they okay. didn't. They don't explain it at the beginning, which I thought was great because it adds this level of intrigue. Like, because you're already confused and trying to figure out how all this works and what's going on. Yeah, and, and they just it, add another fold to yeah, it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, th- there's all these seemingly dead people laying on the ground. And you're like, what? what is that all about? So basically they go out hunting and they have to find all of the, the single people that escaped the hotel into and are living in the woods like hermits. <laughs> Where ponchos. What do they call them, like the loners or something? Yeah, they're, they're the loners. And then, of course, they have their whole... They have their whole own set of rules. Yes, they they have their own, which are. Oh, I, I can't decide. I think that they might be worse than the hotel. They're, ju- they're at least as ridiculous. Which it got a little. But they do they do allow you to masturbate when you're. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to masturbate wherever you want. <laughs> I, love <laughs> I love how that they use that as an excuse all the time. Yeah, of just, <laughs> yeah. Let's masturbate. Where were you? Oh, I was over by that tree masturbating. <laughs> Oh my god, the the dialogue in this movie is just oh, I love it. I just love it. It's so ridiculous. It's just the desperation and the awkwardness and the lengths that people will go. I thought it, that was the only thing that I I kind of thought that I had an issue with is that the two worlds do kind of go to extremes. Like he's at the far end of the spectrum. Like it, yeah. like the loner the loners their set of rules didn't really make sense. Like in the hotel, it made sense because you know you're talking about trying to find love and the, the lengths that people will go to and the desperation that's in it and you know kind of the your whatever you want to call it, biological clock or whatever you know it's kind of like counting down and you know the the older you get the the more tense it is and you're trying harder and everything like all that made sense and it's you know it's allegory or whatever you want to call it but the loner stuff didn't that one has me perplexed a little bit. Well, within the within the movie, within the rules of the movie, I think that the one of the reasons that they set those rules was to to protect the group, to protect each other because if two people became a couple, but but see I, I don't understand why you couldn't just become a couple and still just be with the loners. Yeah. Probably because they would naturally just wa- they would want to leave at that point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Their their rules were a little perplexing, but it did. And then all of a sudden, like halfway through the film, they add this other layer to it where they, where the loners go in to fuck with the people oh, they yeah. were trying to couple. I loved that, which I thought was really interesting because then you take this whole idea, of like you know, like oh, I I love this person so much, I would do anything, and then they kind of test them. Yeah, on that, like, do you really, or are you like most people, selfish? when it comes down to it, which I thought was very interesting. And then the way they tied that with the ending as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I thought that was really interesting too. I liked all that stuff. Um, and, just, <laughs> and you're right. The dialogue is so great because the, when he, Colin Farrell ends up with the loners 
and they start developing their, you know, you meet someone, they start developing their, their, their own language. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is so ridiculous. Um, oh God. Speaking of Colin Farrell, what did you think of, of uh, his, his performance in this? He was fantastic. Yep. Uh, he just, he embodied, he embodied that character so well. Just the, the sad, there's, He's just given up. Like he just gives well, up. There's there's a desperation there, and there's but there's also I don't know. There's still like a twinge of hope and happiness. It's just it's kind of in there. It's just there's a small amount. It's just like a speckle. Yeah. But he's just he's holding on to that speckle that someone's gonna come along and you know latch onto it and it'll grow into something bigger. And it's just the way that he does it. And a lot of it's just through, you know, the physical comedy, too, mm-hmm. that he brings to it. Like, when he has the the arm handcuff behind his back. The, and the just, scene I love with him the taking his, <laughs> try, trying to take his pants off with that handcuff around his... Oh, my God. The fact that they just they let that play out. They just, oh, just my real God. time. They're just, like, trying to take those pants off. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, I loved the... Going back to, so there was this, one of the women that he first noticed at the hotel was this woman who everybody repeatedly said she has no emotion. Like she's, she's psychotic. She has no emotion. She hates everything or whatever. And he goes after her for some reason. And I loved the courting process and how he tried to (laughs) like be on her level. Yes, it was fantastic. And I love the way that he sets it up, too, the way that he sells it to himself. Yeah. Uh, He's like, you know, it's probably easier to fake not having emotions and to fake having a connection instead of... (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And the way that he tried... And then it essentially just becomes them testing each other. Yeah, like when, when he... When the woman tries to kill herself, and he, just his reaction to that, her is just so. Oh my god, it was so funny. It was very dark. I mean, this movie, this movie does does go to some dark places. Oh yeah, it definitely gets dark. But man, it is. It's funny. It, there's some. There's a scene at the end, the very end, that I'm not gonna say what it is, uh, for fear of spoilers. But holy crap, that scene at the very end was so suspenseful without really showing you I was you know, just uh, when, exactly when he, what, oh, yeah he's oof. in that room and I'm just like please don't please don't oh my god don't please don't show me I was like on the edge of my seat during that because it was like for some for some reason the way that it was shot just oh my god this ooh. but and I just love the way that he ended it too oh yeah oh because yeah. you're not entirely sure what what happens there? You have no idea. You don't know what the outcome is. Yep, yep, yep. So I, d- I definitely liked this more than Alps. Uh, I, I liked, oh, yeah. I liked Alps. Alps. I liked Alps, but I did have some issues with it. This one, this one, I thought was was far superior. And you know, normally when uh, foreign directors make an English language film, and it's usually their their English language debut is usually not the best, but. Man, well, yeah, I thought this was a really strong English language debut. Yes, this, yeah, this is definitely one of the better ones of recent memory. Because it usually seems like something gets lost in translation. 
Uh, but a, 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 this, yeah, a perfect this, example of that would be that Brigand or Brigand movie. It, it it felt like they ran the script through Google Translate that movie. Mm. See, this feels exactly like his movie. Right. Yeah. His his voice is still there. Like you can. If you see this and you don't and you don't know who directed it, and then afterwards you tell the person, "Oh, it's the same guy that did Dogtooth." Oh, okay, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and just there's going to be a time because this is also co-written by Ethanus Philippou. I have no idea if that's how you correctly say. Probably that not, but let's go with it. But uh, I mean, he's written five movies now, and good lord, they're all fantastic. He did Dogtooth with him, Alps. That L movie that I talked about like last year, the year before, you know, where the guy lived in his car uh-huh, uh-huh. and delivered honey to a guy and he was narcoleptic. <laughs> uh, the Lobster and Chevrolet. The, yeah, Chevalier. the newest, the, yeah, the newest uh, Athena, what's her name? Athena Singari. Yeah. I mean, this guy is just killing it. I mean... I have a feeling that you know in the in the future we're going to be looking Big back things. and talking about this guy as being one of the best writers. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, right now. Yeah, this this movie it, it was completely unique in the just the, how they translated real life relationships and emotion and love into this strange. Uh, I don't know, like if it's like <laughs> science fiction or what you want to call it. Just, but just I'm the concept, so, uh, the, the concept of if you don't find a mate, you turn into an animal and you get and thrown you get into the woods. I, and yeah, and you pick, you, you can pick your animal, and it can be anything. It is, and I just love the way that they pointed out how there's a shit ton of dogs. Yeah, because everyone picks everyone dogs. picks dogs. Uh, I loved the fact that in all of the scenes in the in the forest. There's always animals, just random animals walking around. <laughs> there's, there's, there's like peacocks, flamingos. There's a camel in one scene. Lots of dogs. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Just loved it. There's just like, is there really anything out right now? Is anyone working in kind of the same, like the same like niche? You know what I mean? Like there's really, you can't think of any films like this. I actually got kind of uh no, I, I I would say not, but I I think that I got a, a a her vibe out of this. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I, I th- with just with a completely devoid of brightness. Yeah, I, I think like ton- color. I mean, tonally it's different, but just I don't know. I just got some got a vibe. <laughs> there's that there's that parallel of sympathetic white men. <laughs> Maybe that's what yeah, maybe that's what it is. That's what you got going on. But I was also really excited and happy to see that you have um, Ariana LeBed in there playing the maid. And there's that sequence of her dancing in the woods, which was just amazing. Yeah, the quiet dancing. (laughs) So ridiculous. Uh, I loved her character and the fact that you also had uh, Angeliki Papalia in there playing the heartless woman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you get that, that transfer of you know, actresses that he's worked with prior and moving them over to the yep. to the English language debut and seeing them kill it. Yes. Yeah. It's just great. I thought the, the only thing was the, the loner portion. I thought it lost me a little bit. It, just a little bit. It, that's so funny you mentioned that because the same thing happened to me where I was absolutely in love with this movie and then 
at one point during that loner thing, it wasn't right at the be. It was like in the middle, in the, like the middle portion of that the loner area that I was like, oh no, like when they when they were kind of like devising their capers and stuff like that. I was like, oh no, this is like the. It felt different. Like the movie felt like it was gonna be going down a different path, and I was like, eh. But but it 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 um it recorrected. Yeah, it just it, it loses a little a little bit of its steam there for for a while. But still, even there there's small little scenes that you can just tell the amount of thought that went into like realizing this world and the. Kind of what I'm thinking about is when they go to when they go into the city, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're at the mall or whatever, and there's that woman that yeah. is getting questioned by the police. Yeah, and checked, and they check her shoes and her hands, and yes, it's She's it, it, it is interesting because they, like I said, they don't. He doesn't explain a lot about this world. You just figure out the rules of it, and it's I and I appreciate yeah. that. But there's so much that is brought up and just kind of hints it at mm-hmm. it makes you wonder even more like yeah. i just i want to know all the rules to this world i want to be in this world more and i want to know all the rules and what happens because it's very intriguing to me yeah agreed agreed all right any final thoughts on the lobster surprisingly really really funny yes in an extremely subtle way God. It's certainly a dry oh. humor. John C. Riley, oh. uh, he, he just makes me laugh. There were times in this movie where he wasn't even saying anything, and I laughed. <laughs> no, I was I was laughing hysterically when I think it's the t- first time they go for a hunt, and you know, occasionally they'll go to he'll go into the slow mo camera. Yeah, yeah. And it was John C. Riley running through the woods, yeah, just like slow-mo. struggling to get through the woods. <laughs> navigating the terrain he was having trouble with and then of course the interaction with him and colin farrell where colin farrell was trying to yes trying to save himself and be buddy buddy with him and be friends and then he realizes that that's not working and then he just completely flips the switch and goes the opposite direction with it (laughs) it's just like poor john c riley poor guy yeah he's not gonna make it no no end up some kind of animal i forget what animal he picked uh, did they even say what animal? He- I think I remember they, they were like, they I, were having a conversation about it at the target. Yeah, because he targeting. he said and and uh, the limpy man got really irritated with him. Oh, a parrot. He a parrot. Yes, the the one animal that can talk. Yeah, or one of the animals that can. He talk. said you're still gonna have a lisp as a parrot. <laughs> oh God! And, oh Jesus! And that just reminded me of his masturbating problem. Oh god, yeah, that was that that was kind of crazy. I I think that scene was when you realize like, oh, these people aren't messing around. No, they're not. They take it very very seriously, which again, it like just adds to the the absurdity of it all because it's inherently absurd. Of course, yeah. The, you know the lengths that you're going to go to. Yeah, and, and then the people's interest in it as well just adds to it, and then you know the way the, how you kind of get judged depending on where you are at certain points in your life. Although I think it is a little unfair that you would be forced into it, even if your husband or wife dies. Like, I don't think that they should force widows and widowers into back into it, into another, you know, 
relationship yeah, because but, some some people don't want that like that they no but you gotta think of it from the, the viewpoint of like people around them because you know that kind of thing of like oh you gotta move on you have to find someone out you gotta get back out there and it's like why is it such of interest to you like why do you care so much well i guess because if, i guess because people attribute that with happiness and they want you know their loved ones to be happy yeah. it's just it's really weird because I th- I'm thinking of like my own life, the number of times that I'm accosted and questioned about, essentially interrogated, really. Some people <laughs> like, when are you going to have kids? Like, I'm like harassed into like, you should have kids. Yeah. Re- yeah. And like people trying to sell the idea to me. Like my dad at one point, he didn't do a really good job because the way he sold it was, it's not that bad. It's not that like, bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Like when I bought my house, we have it's a three bedroom house. Nursery. The, imme- the immediate question, and every, every out of everyone's mouth, does that mean uh, you guys are uh, thinking of having kids? Huh? Is that where you? Is that where you're headed? Is that what you guys are thinking about? I mean, I have people at work that are like they've constantly asked me when when are you having kids, and they'll get mad when I'm like I'm not, I'm not I don't want kids. They get mad at me, and it's like why? <laughs> why do you care? Because yeah. we need to. We need to repopulate so, the, the the earth. We need to repopulate the species. We don't have enough it's people. So, it's so bizarre to me. Like you're going to be dead in like forty years. What do you care if there's like more people or not? It's true. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. Yeah, it's true. Uh, what did you think of the one other thing I wanted to mention was the the voiceover. What did you think of that? Rachel Vice d- doing some narration. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I'll be honest. Um, but I also didn't hate it like I usually do because the writing of it is just so bizarre and absurd. And almost, there, you know, there was there was some humor in there. Yeah, it almost kinda, it, it almost has a kind of a, a storybook vibe to it. Yes. It the does. way that she's narrating it. And it is very interesting that you're not because I I didn't know how she plays into the story. So it's like in the towards the beginning and I'm like Ooh, who is she? Like, what? Oh, I, yeah. Is she just like a narrator? Or, and I mean, like, the further along it goes, you kind of figure it out what's of who she is and where she's, you know, where she's coming from and everything. But in the beginning, it was just like, what? I don't quite understand this voiceover yeah. narration going on here. Yeah. So that was enough, too, the way that it was kind of handled at the beginning that I was trying to figure it out along with the rules of this entire world. Well, I knew I knew where she played in because of the trailer. It seemed it seemed. I didn't like see this. Well, I didn't see no. I didn't see no trailer. Didn't see no trailer. All right, let's uh, let's give the lobster a score. I'm gonna score the lobster an eight out of ten. Oh boy, I'm gonna give it like a nine, nine and a half. Whoa, I'm a, I'm a fan of this one. And it was one of those things that, like, immediately when I was done, I was like, I need, I need to watch that again. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to watch it again. Yep. By the end of the year, my score for that may may increase because I'll probably watch it again and may have to give it a bump. All right, that's the lobster. Is that is that on VOD? Um, I don't I don't think it is. I want to say no. I don't think that is available on VOD. It's playing in select cities this week. Uh, let's move on. Talk about Kill Zone Two. Kill Zone Two. This is directed by uh, Pusoy Chang. Stars Tony Jaa. Tony Jaa. There's some other. There's some other recognizable 
uh, figures in this as well. Uh, who specifically is it? No, Simon Yam. Uh, a lot of people will probably recognize Simon Yam because he was in like PTU. He was in Ipman. He was in uh, the Tomb Raider movie. Okay, he's in a lot of stuff. He he was the the older uh, cop, the uncle. He was the uncle. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got a synopsis here. Oh wait, hold on, I gotta click the stupid button. All right, this is this is a long one, so I may abbreviate. Oh boy. It. Undercover cop Kit becomes a junkie in order to catch Mr. Hung, the mastermind behind a crime syndicate. When the operation goes sour and Kit blows his cover, his supervisor and and uncle Wa decides to terminate the operation. When Kit disappears without a trace, Wa defies the order from his commanding officer and tracks Kit to a prison in Thailand. This is not a good synopsis. This doesn't this doesn't really describe what's going on at all. So I think that we'll just talk about it and uh, kind of give it give it our own little synopsis here. The thing that that's interest well, you you can go ahead and start it off, Kevin. What did you think of Killzone Two? Uh, Killzone Two was surprising. I will say, um, I went into this thinking like, okay, what I'm going to get, my expectation is that the fighting, you know, the set pieces, the choreography will probably kind of be like the highlight. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just a lot of it's going to be me sitting around, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the next fight scene. Yeah. Cause the story I'm sure is probably, eh. but it was surprising to see that the, the story was actually, it's pretty damn good. I thought. Well, what I was going to say was the interesting thing about this is that I, I feel like the story uh, almost takes precedent over the, the fight scenes because there's, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's way more story oh, yeah. than fight scenes in this. Oh, yeah. And it takes forever to get to that first fight scene. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they really take their time with setting this up. But when you look at this, the plot, this is a complex there's like connections for days in this. Like everything is connected to everything, and I think and it's, it's th- that's an interesting aspect of the movie. But it's also, I think, um, a problem because some of the stuff is just like, all right, now what are the odds? You know? Yeah, like I mean, there's this, yeah, there's a shit ton of coincidences that I mean, kind of they kind of pile it on a bit too much. But it is definitely a time for consequences. It is. I will give you that. I mean, everyone's actions. There's so many ramifications to every single action. But the most interesting portion to me was the way that they set up these characters is I wasn't, you know, when you're dealing with most martial arts movies, you have your hero and he never deviates from doing the heroic act. Like you're never thinking like, oh, is he actually going to help this person? You just know it, you know, it just, right. and it just it just follows that path the whole way to the end. And it's just, he's always doing the right thing, but there's a lot of instances in this movie where Tony Jaw's character, where you're not a hundred percent sure if he's actually going to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. And he's put in a lot of predicaments where he's got to try and decide which would, uh, you know, what choice to make. And then they'll kind of like leave it up in the air where you're not sure. Yeah. If he's actually being the hero right now. Right. There's a lot of like kind of morally, gray things that are happening in this movie like because you have to look at it from his perspective so so basically he plays a prison guard and his daughter has i don't know she has an illness that requires a a bone marrow transplant this movie's all about this this movie's all about basically organ trafficking 
Yes, which is, I mean, it starts off really fucking dark. Oh, yeah. Like, you're... There is some really... There is some really dark stuff in this movie. There, There's some... I was surprised, because norm... I haven't seen a lot of Tony Jaw stuff, but normally his movies are pretty, you know, light and more more on the, the Jackie Chan level of things. But this is... Yeah. Uh, this movie's violent, very violent, and... Extremely dark. The whole, the whole like, human organ trafficking thing is, oof, it's pretty grim. Yeah. Kind of keeping people in drawers. So, but, but anyway, so he, he needs a bone marrow transplant for his daughter, so that's what's propelling him through this. And as it turns out, the detective that I mentioned in the bad synopsis uh, is a, a match. He is the donor, which they don't know at first. They, they, they don't know that they are a match yeah and they don't find that out until much later in the movie but tony jaw comes to find out that the warden is working for this other guy that the detective was trying to bring down this and cartel that guy, leader that leader he needs a heart transplant. and he needs a heart transplant and he's trying to steal his brother's heart so there's the, there's just all these crazy connections in this movie which yeah and it's just all kind of ridiculous because they all have this extremely rare blood type and i forget what the odds are but it makes it like well at first he says possible i don't there was a subtitle thing going on with that because the first time he says it he says one in a million and then the second time he says it he says one in 10 million yeah so i don't know if that was accurate and it's just it's one of those things that you're trying to like kind of what we touched upon earlier it's like okay so <laughs> this is super rare blood type all of these people happen to be <laughs> They all happen to know each other and be connected. Well, the only the only two people that have it are him and his brother. I thought it was the same for the kid and the guy. Um, I thought they had the same thing going on. I could be wrong. No, I think that they just needed... They, they were just a regular match for the bone marrow. I guess, but you would think that there would be someone in Thailand that would have it, not a, a Hong Kong policeman. Well, That would I, seem really rare. I don't know. I guess it just has to do with like the donor list and all of that. Mm. I don't know, but anyway. Either way, either way, it takes forever to get to the first fight scene, and then the first fight scene is between Tony Ja and uh, what's that guy's name, uh, Wu Cheng. Mm-hmm. So the first fight's between the good guys, the two good guys. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, wait, what? Well, what you don't happening? even at that point, you don't even know. Like, I didn't even know that he was going to be one of the main characters. Not well, not yeah, Tony Jaa, but, but the other guy. But you could definitely tell because that. The way it was set up for me was like, okay, Tony Jaws bad guy. Because everything that leads up to that, you know that this guy is he's under he's in he's in the prison under false pretense. You know, they're kinda of setting this guy up, they're fucking him over, he's a policeman, and then Tony Jaw kicks the shit out of him and you're like Okay, wait. Well not only that, but Tony- he also takes money from the warden. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like he, there's a lot of gray area in this movie where you're not 100% sure who, like what side people are on. Yeah. Except for like the really evil people. They don't really they don't really deviate. They're just evil. <laughs> yeah, you know the warden is always going to be a piece of shit and the 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 guy that needs the heart. And I mean the way that they set up that warden too because out of nowhere that guy is a martial arts master. Yeah. He wrecks it. Com- <laughs> he wrecks completely it. caught me off guard. I was like, "Damn, he's doing that in a suit too." Shit. Yeah, he he wrecks it. I mean, let's talk about the big thing, the fights. I mean, this is a martial arts movie. You come into it for the fights. 
Let's, you want them fights. Let's talk about it. I thought that they were good. I thought that some of the some of the set pieces were uh incredible. The the scene where Tony Jaw drives the bus through the wall, uh I was like, "Holy shit, that was awesome." And uh mm-hmm. I, I liked a lot of this stuff. I like the fact that this is a movie that that blends different martial arts styles cuz you have Tony Jaw with his Muay Thai and then I'm guessing I like I'm not good enough with spotting different martial arts styles but i'm guessing that the the chinese guys were were some sort of kung fu but i like the fact that the fight the fights look differently you know what i mean like they they weren't all just using the same style yeah yeah and i liked that and i i mean there was you got some weapon play in there too yeah i mean this is definitely on the more kind of fantastical side of martial arts stuff like there is some wire work in here like some yeah which that was the only thing that kind of got me because the way that that was incorporated it stuck out like a sore thumb yeah because it did like it doesn't happen a lot it yeah and it's not blended in too well like the execution of that of those effects aren't they're not that great and i mean they stick out as soon as you're like you're really into it and then all of a sudden there's the wire work and you're just like oh there was a there was like one scene. It was like one of the big culminating fight scenes at the end in that in the in the like what is that in like an office building the the big white office. Oh yeah, yeah, and the, like the penthouse private, or whatever. Yeah, the penthouse. There like, was like uh, I can't even remember what it was specifically, but there was some wire stunt that they did there that impressed me. But for the most part, yeah, I could could have probably done without. The wire work. Thankfully, it's not used very much. I mean, it's all pretty no. much. Um, I'm sure that some of the stunts in the prison were done using wires, and those were impressive. So yeah, I think that the best use of wire work is when you can't tell that it's even. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that probably some of those things, because it looked like those dudes were just free falling from like the second floor. <laughs> and th- that scene when he's standing on the table, that's like pinned in the the on like the rail and he falls that was i liked that scene i thought that was well the fact that you had that big set piece of this is essentially this prison riot breaks out you have martial arts fighting in the midst of that and then the cinematography for this is just like a free floating camera right it's very much like the raid i i the just the style of it felt a lot like the raid where the camera is just constantly moving and trying to find the best positions to show the action. And I, I love that, that method. And I got to say, for the most part, the, the filming of the action was pretty fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was top-notch. And, and the editing of it. Yeah. And the choreography is just... Because that first fight scene, it's just close. It's in a small room, mm-hmm. hand-to-hand combat between Tony Jaa and Wu Zhang. And oh my goodness. I just want to watch that forever. I mean, it's it's the top notch. It's a lot of the the fight scenes and stuff are are just top notch in this. There's not a lot of them, but when they when they hit, I mean, especially that the the big final one towards the end. I mean, there oh there's some crazy stuff that happens. I love the one scene that the one dude he was like a mini boss, the guy that had the knives. <laughs> and that, yeah, the that one scene where he does the flip. And as he's doing the flip, he's running the knife around the guy's finger and it knocks his yeah. finger off. I was like, that's crazy. 
Oh, and he tries to switch the gun to the other hand before he comes back with the knife. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's some really, really cool shit that happens in this movie. There is, I mean, what Wu Jing does in the the final fight with a wet t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. He uses a magazine oh. in the one scene, too. Yes, it's fucking awesome. I fucking love it. I was just, it was kind of a bummer because, you know, they kind of team up on the uh Zhang mm-hmm. Zhang mm-hmm. the 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 boss boss the the you know the three piece suit kicking the shit out of everyone um and he fucking wrecks them yeah and you're just like well there's no way they're going to beat this guy cuz he's fucking unstoppable yep but yeah the i mean the fights are just they're amazing and then everything in between that is pretty fantastic as well i you know they do take it to an extreme with with some of the stuff that's going on but the execution of it and the way that they handle it. Right. And that's that's the surprising thing is that like this is actually a genuinely intriguing movie. Like you, you actually care about what's going on and how all these pieces are fitting fitting together and like you want Kit to figure out that he's the, the donor. And then there's like a twist that they add in with that. Yeah. That that kind of messes messes things up even more. And you're like, what? Because there's consequences, man. There is. There's time for consequences. That wolf was a little sketchy. The, 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 well, the wolf was <laughs> extremely sketchy. <laughs> it seemed odd to put that in there. You don't well, the first to... time they put it in, it's a dream sequence. So I was like, okay, well, that's okay. And I don't know yeah. if the second time... The second time could have just... been... I guess it could have been not real. It's just like a, a manifestation type deal. Yeah, I, I think so. But... Either way. My my favorite thing about these um, martial arts movies, and I let it, this happens in the raid a lot too. Well, here, here's the first thing: is I need to see. I got to catch up on so much stuff because I just forgot how much I love these types of movies. Yeah, they're just so fun to watch. Like when I watch these fight scenes, like I can't breathe. I get so like tensed up because I'm just so into it, and just watching, just watching them block attacks. It's just so thrilling to me. <laughs> like, I don't even need them to land punches or kicks or anything. Just blocking stuff is just the coolest thing ever. And then you have Tony Jaw with his fucking flying knees. The knees like, and all over the, the knees and elbows. <laughs> just flying through the air. It's just ridiculous. But the, the thing that I love is, um, you know, they'll fight, you know, where they team up and they fight like 14 guys at the same time. And they're catching like all the kicks and punches and they're dislocating every single joint in your body and breaking bones. Oh yeah. And then, and then how like a little bit of time passes and then they're all standing again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, they really that had no, no effect on them whatsoever. It's, someone came in within that like five minute period, relocated all those joints and got those guys ran ready to go. Yep, and we just go through it again, and they just get dislocated all over again in various ways, and it's just fantastic to watch. Well, I'll tell you, the knife guy didn't get up after his after no. <laughs> his thing. I don't know if there was any gonna gonna be any recovering available no. for that. No, and it also has another one of those. Um, I I'm trying to decide if this one is worse than the John Wick one, where a guy gets stabbed and he stares him down. Oh yeah. He's the slow stab. Yeah, we just—he's just that is an intense stabbing. It reminds me of the the scene in Saving Private Ryan where uh, 
what's his name? Adam, what's his name? Adam Goldberg? Yeah, I think that when the, the, right. the when the he's in the 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 one house and the Nazi comes in, he has that like hand to hand fight with the Nazi and slowly stab. That was just staring people down as he as he stab them with such force. That's some cold shit. Yep, it's cold. Uh, yeah, Killzone Two. I definitely would recommend it. It's I'm not the biggest fan of Tony Jaa his movies. I I find him to be uh slightly uncharismatic character in most of his movies and i don't particularly like his fighting style a whole lot but in this one it worked because it didn't it didn't feel like didn't feel like ong bak or one of his other movies where it was like this is his movie you know what i mean this felt like this was just an action movie that he was in now and that was the problem with ong bak in this like it it the biggest problem with those films is it didn't seem like they were able to blend right. the fighting set pieces into a film. It was just like, here's a shitty film, and then all of a sudden, fighting showcase, and they're just like, this seems really... Yeah, I mean... You the, know, there's like a huge disconnect the, here. Those, those movies, to me, feel like, like skate videos or something, where, you know, they have some other stuff, and then they get, in, then they get back to the skating. Then they do some other crap, and then they get back to the skating. It's like yeah. the same... Or porn. It's... That that would also be a good <laughs> comparison. That is actually a good comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what those other earlier Tony Jaw movies. This is not like that. This is actually a compelling no, has a compelling think, narrative to it. Yeah, and I didn't think he was actually too bad. No, acting. no, I I thought he was fine, which was again a surprise to me. But it's it immediately. Well, it wasn't even immediate. I think it was like after the second fight scene. My thought was, okay, I have to watch all of these people's movies. I have yeah. to watch any any movie that it's martial arts. I have to watch it. I think we should probably also watch Killzone One. Killzone One is my should be a good should, idea. should be noted that neither of us have seen the original Killzone. <laughs> the first, no, the first one was with Donnie Yen. So yeah, no, that, that's that, what I mean. Like, I I need to see some more Wu Jing movies. I mean. There's so much that I've missed over the years. I didn't know. I just didn't know. Well, we just have to have our yearly uh, Asian movie roundup where we watch like 10 of them in a row and then do a show about it. I can't wait. That, that's that's typically what I do with Asian cinemas. I just I let them pile up and then I watch them all at once. Just gorge. Gorge on that shit. Yeah, because I immediately jumped on YouTube and was just like, Tony Jaa fight scenes. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's the. Be- I still say that that is the best way to watch uh, Ong Bak is just yeah. just the fight scenes. Just not not the fight scenes, but more that that movie is more about the the whole free running those scenes. It's just him him double knee through windows. Yeah, he does that in this movie for all you Tony Jaa fans. He <laughs> straight through the windshield. He does go through bus. a windshield of a bus. He's like, fuck that knees. <laughs> His knees and elbows must be so jacked up. Dude, I don't know. Dude, Matt, I had just imagining the noises that they make when he goes upstairs. I know. If he can go If he can, go if he can yeah. He's got he's to be using elevators everywhere <laughs> he goes. Uh, all right. Uh, what are you going to give Killzone 2 out of 10? I'm going to give Killzone 2 an 8, 8.5. Wow, that's strong. Plus you get these Tony Jaa yep. escape. Ice skate terribly. Oh my god, that scene was so <laughs> awful. 
I was like, what is going on? If that felt very Jackie Chan esque to me. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give Killzone 2 a. I'll give it a solid seven. I'll give it seven, seven and a half. Somewhere in between there. Huh. Killzone 2 is available now on VOD, so you can check it out. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, start with you this week. Okay, I, I watched Mist- Mistress America. Bombak. Bombak. action. Bumbuck. Um, and I realized something because I enjoyed Mistress America, and I realized that you know, co-written by Gerwig, and I know that she co-wrote Fantasy High, another one that I liked. So I checked the only other Bombak movie I liked that he directed. Talking about once he directed here was Greenberg, which was co-written with Jennifer Jason Lee. So all the bomb box that are co-written with a, with an actress, I like. All the ones that he wrote himself, like While We're Young, The Squid and the Whale, Kicking and Screaming, I hated those. It's just something I noticed. I don't know what that means. It's an interesting observation. Just, yeah, like when Bombach flies solo, I don't, I don't like him. I just don't like him. Hmm. But if he's got a collaborator, I'm in. I like Squid and the Whale, but uh, I, I think that that's the only one that I, that I saw that's not co-written. Now, kicking and screaming. His first movie was co-written, but it was co-written with another male. So I don't know. If, I don't know if it's having the the female voice the, in there. The, the, yeah, the female collaborator in there helps it out. Now, that, I, I imagine it definitely helped out with Mistress America because it's it's a film about you know two females and the relationship together, being friends, sisters, sisters to be. The parents are getting married to each other. They're in New York City, hanging out. Gerwig and Lola Kirk. And their characters are the rich characters. They're, I mean, there's so much depth to them. And just watching them interact is fantastic. Now, <clears throat> the, the plot that they find themselves in is kind of eh. Because it's like her trying to like get money for, or Gerwig trying to get money for this restaurant that she wants to open up. And she has all these ideas. She never follows through on one of them. And Lola Kirk is an expiring writer. And she's kind of... Uh, gleaning information from her, hanging out with her, and using it for characters in her stories. And uh, so the plot itself isn't that great. I mean, outside of it providing the the conflicts of intent and loyalty that end up cropping up between the two. But the real highlight is just watching these two interact. And it's just it's good amount of comedy in there. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's enough enough subtle humor in there. I gotta say, that, man, out of because what he came out with two last year, this and while we're young, and I don't know why while we're young played around here and Mistress America didn't because Mistress America is five. I mean, leaps and bounds better than while we're young because hmm. while we're young shouldn't even been released. That was just garbage. That was absolute garbage. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so don't ever see it. I'm telling you right now, don't waste your time. If you think about seeing it, see Mistress America instead. All right. Well, I I will do that. Yes. Is this on like Netflix now? On a DVD. Cool. Get on Netflix DVD. You still do that? I think you're, yeah, I think you're the, like one of the only people in the world. I might be the. I'm single handedly keeping the U.S. Postal Service <laughs> in business. I gotta say the the Netflix DVD their whole system is re- it's fucked. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like I have my queue and everything. And it won't say anything like, you know, they don't have the DVD or that there's a long wait or anything, but they'll send me like number six 
And it's just like, what the fuck? What happened to the other five movies before it? I didn't want this movie. I remember it used to be, re- like, at the beginning, it used to be really good. Oh, yeah. And then there was, it won't say anything. And I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to get this fucking movie. It's going to be great. Because I remember we were, and then I, we were, back in the day, we were really early adopters of Netflix. Oh, yeah. We were, we were on that shit as soon as it came out. Because I, I can't remember if we were, did we... Do Netflix before Netflix? I think it was around the same time. Because I remember we had, remember we had all of them. We had the, we had Netflix, Netflix, and then we also had the Blockbuster one too. Oh yeah. Where where you could, it was like unlimited rentals at Blockbuster. Oh, we wasted so much money. I know. And I remember, because you, because you, we both had subscriptions. You, I think you were the only one that had the subscription to Netflix. but. Which was awesome. But both of us had Netflix and the Blockbuster thing, so we could get, like, f- we would have four movies, basically. At any, at given, any time. given time. And then we still made trips to Hollywood Video. Yeah. yeah. Which, I'm, I don't know why we did that. We just couldn't wait. There was just, yeah, there was just, I mean, that, I, that was a really, <laughs> I mean, when I look back, that was a really influential time for me. Like, well, yeah, because we also it, did... Because we also did, a lot of our paychecks went to either blind buying Asian movies off of eBay. <laughs> yeah. Or blind buying Criterions. Yep. A, a, lot, a lot of blind buys. We just spent so much money. No, oh, but that, that was when, like, the, my, my passion for movies just went full bore. Like, I, I, I always liked movies. I always considered myself a movie lover. But once we really started diving in, that was... That was a game changer. Game changer. Skipping school. Yep. Fuck school. We got movies to watch. Yep. Um, the, the only movie that I saw this week, like I mentioned, I've been playing a lot of Uncharted 4. Great game, by the way. Uh, for any of you still on the fence about it, I, by this point, I, I'm sure that most of you already have it if you were thinking about getting it. Fantastic game. Highly recommended. I'm taking my time with it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, longer, it's a longer game, but it's the final chapter in the series. So I'm like, I think it's 25 chapters, and I'm on like maybe 12 or something, 10 or 12. But anyway, fantastic game. Highly recommend it. The movie that I saw this week is one uh, th- that's not out yet. It's going to be out soon. I'll try to look up the uh, release date on this. It's a documentary called Tickled. Okay. Now, this is uh, premiered at Sundance. And it is a documentary about a journalist who he kind of specializes in in just weird, like weird stories, like weird sports and things like that. Uh, And he discovers that there is a competitive tickling scene that's happening. So he's like, what is this competitive tickling? So he starts doing some research on it and he decides to reach out to to the organizers of this competitive tickling by the uh it's a company by the name of Jane O'Brien Media and he gets this email back that says like basically we did some research on you and we found out that you're a homosexual and we don't want to tr- associate this with any kind of homosexual behavior deviant behavior and like just ripping him apart and then he starts getting multiple emails uh about this he publishes the article anyway it gets a lot of traction and then he starts getting he gets sued and he gets like all these threats emailed to him and 
whereas the the documentary starts off about competitive tickling it just it evolves into something completely different and uh it it this is under embargo so i can't really talk about my my specific thoughts on it just yet but um it i would say it sounds so ridiculous yeah um keep this on your radar i'll say that i i will have a review up this comes out uh june 17th so this is, this is one of those instances where i'm like i want to google search professional tickling but at the same time i don't want that in my computer uh, yeah yeah you, you, you don't but but it also <laughs> it also may end up if you did something like that it may end up giving away portions of this and this is one you want to go into cold trust me yeah well you got me you got me with professional tickling it is i don't it like do you really need to do that much more to sell a movie yeah this is uh an extremely bizarre movie sounds so ridiculous yeah uh but again it's called tickled comes out june 17th i will circle back and talk about it in more detail when uh, once the the embargo lifts mm. hey we talked about ryan kukula earlier and i watched creed 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 um this was i i only i only saw the first rocky right i'm not like a big rocky guy and i don't really know anything about rocky so there's numerous times where in this movie i'm like oh yeah that's right this is a rocky movie and everything just was kind of bizarre to me until I realized, like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's a Rocky movie. I had to keep telling myself that throughout. Um, the Much like Mistress America, the, the, whole, the whole plot of this movie was generally uninteresting to me. Like, I just, it, it did nothing for me. Just did absolutely nothing. Um, and the boxing bits, all the boxing scenes were, they were okay. They're like, meh. I don't, I don't, and I think that this is the problem that I have with boxing is it's such a boring sport and there's not a whole lot you can do with like choreographing boxing. I think it was, uh, it's not, I think, it's not, like, not, I think Raging Bull did it best. Yeah, but, but think about it, like, what can you, what can you really do? You just it's have, it's just, it's fists. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, what it comes down to is how, how creatively and stylistically can you, can you shoot that, you know? Which, and I will say this, they do a pretty damn good job because there's a surprising amount of long takes in here that I wasn't quite ready for. I wasn't expecting, um, which I thought added to it. It kind of dressed it up a little bit, made it a little bit more interesting. Um, but, and it's funny to me because these movies, there's this, it's like they know that boxing is like really boring because if it played out like a real boxing match it would be defensive boxing for like an hour and it would just be boring as shit with like yeah because that's usually how it turns out yeah it's just like them hugging for like 45 minutes so it's just it's kind of funny to me that they spend so much time on michael b jordan just working out you know working with padman doing the jump rope and doing the jog and all this stuff all at Everything that goes into it. And then the final fight just devolves into two guys just pummeling the shit out of each other. Just just a barrage of fists to the face. There's no technique whatsoever. It's just brutal and I guess exciting to just but to me it just the only thing that it really captures is the dullness and repetition of box. It's just two guys just hitting each other in the face. Just 
rapid, just going at it. And you're just like, this is kind of, this is silly. This is really silly. Like you're just hitting it. Like no one's, there's no technique. There's no, like no one's, there's no defense. It's just two guys just leaving themselves completely open and just hitting each other in the face over and over again. And I don't, I don't know why, but after a while, I just thought it was hilarious. But I will say this, the, the, the relationship that you see with Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson, I love that part of the film. Like that was like a completely like any time that it maneuvered into that aspect, it was like a completely different film. Mm. And I loved their chemistry together, and I actually wanted more of that. And then when it got back to the boxing stuff, like the lead up to the fights and stuff, I thought were pretty great. You know, the long takes of him like working out backstage, and then like the walk up out and everything. But that last fight is just those two guys hitting each other in the face for entirely too long. Just and then his eye turns into something that should never be on a human's face. <laughs> You're just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? This is so stupid. This is the dumbest thing I've ever watched. Why are you doing this? But I think that's more so of like my, my... I think that just has to do more with your taste. But with bo- you yeah. know, with boxing. But it's like you can't even do anything with boxing that you take it to this ridiculous like fantasy version of it and it's still terrible to just, you know, watch people punch each other in the face forever and i'm just like why would you get into that because i can't i can't comprehend it like i hate having headaches and i can't imagine of ever point being in my life like hey i'm gonna give my headache i'm gonna give myself a headache right now like a really (laughs) really fucking bad one like the worst headache ever yeah i don't i don't don't get it either but i'm just gonna i'm gonna let a guy hit me in the face i don't know and it was just weird. Then the way that they powered it on with, like her having a disability, and then the thing that happens with Sylvester Stallone's Rocky, and uh, it's just it kind of powered it on a bit too much. But overall, it was all right. Oh, and... I just kind of kind of got stuck on the boxing thing, just because I don't comprehend boxing. But that's not the film's fault. Right. That's Creed. I have not seen this yet. I, at this point, I probably won't. But. <laughs> like, nah. Not doing it. I don't have anything else, so. Oh, you know, I have one more, and that's How to Steal a Million from 1966, William Wilder. Uh, this is uh, Audrey Hepburn, Peter O'Toole. <clears throat> one of those comedy, comedy heist caper type films. Because I essentially wanted something along the lines of charade, and this came closest to it. Um, number one thing that always gets me Peter O'Toole's appearance is disarming to me for some reason is just he doesn't he doesn't look like a person i don't know what it is it's like someone adjusted the settings on his face after the fact like his eyes just don't match his complexion it's really weird like his eyes are way too blue and it just freaks me out so i had to watch that for like two hours not peter o2's fault he's nothing he can do about um it's fairly light a bit too long it takes a while for it to settle into it's like this whole heist thing of them working together to steal this work of art but it is kind of interesting because it they get into like forgeries and stuff and it's got a nice mix of like romance comedy the the heist action once he gets once they get into trying to steal this work of art and like the ingenuity and everything that goes into their their idea and their their execution of their plan um but the only real issue that i have with this movie is audrey hepburn's character is just entirely too subservient 
when she's around Peter O'Toole, and it just really just irks me because she turns into this like gelatinous pile of like I'll do whatever you say. Like she's just like she is smitten beyond belief. Where she's just like he's just like get on the floor, and she's just like okay. She gets on the floor, <laughs> like, and like the second part of the, like towards the end of the film, he is literally I'm not kidding, ushering around from place to place, just like holding on to her bicep and just like dragging her along. She'll try and like walk up to him, and he'll just grab her and like no this way, and he does that for like a full hour straight of where he's like just put a fucking leash on her. Jesus, it's ridiculous. Hmm. So I wasn't really a fan. It's one of those things where I couldn't buy into because they kind of, you know, they end up falling in love, everything, and you kind of like rooting for him. And I'm just like, get the fuck away from this guy. Like, come on, better than that, Hepburn. But it's all right. All right. What was the name of that again? How to, How to steal, steal a million. million. Okay. Yeah. How did you see this? This is Play Instant on Netflix. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's uh, talk about some predictions, shall we? Let's do it. Last week, Money Monster. Oh boy, watch you, out. You said 64, I said 62, actual 56. And then The Darkness, you said 37, I said 42, actual zero. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it got a zero. We, we have a review for this up on the site. Uh, Blake gave it a three. So, mm. Mm, Darkness, not, not looking too good for that one. That's a shame, too, because I, I liked Wolf Creek, I liked Wolf Creek 2. I liked Rogue, so I don't know what happened there. I guess, uh, I guess it was the uh, international director coming over to the States. Must be. I guess that's what did it. That's unfortunate. Uh, next week we have, in my mind, a big one. One of my most anticipated for the year, The Nice Guys, Shane Black. Very is excited this, for this. This reminded me that I need to see that... Uh... Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yes. Yes, you do. Everyone talks about how great that movie. I still haven't watched it. It it is great, and I'll probably rewatch it before this this uh, this comes out, just because I love that movie and get get in the right mood. Um, I'm gonna say 86 on the nice guys. Wow. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm giving it good vibes. Okay. Mm. I forgot that this was the guy that wrote the last Boy Scout. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know it was the guy. That, oh, Shane Black, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say 80, 82. All right. I think Shane Shane Black also did the Lethal Weapon movies too, didn't he? Yeah, Last Action Hero. I like his stuff. Um, he was in Predator, and he's he's gonna be doing the new Predator movie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. We also have Neighbors Two: Sorority Rising. Oh boy. Uh. I don't know. What are you thinking on this one? I, from what I heard, uh, not not great. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine it would be. This is one of those things where it's like, just do the one comedy and just leave it at that. Like, stop trying to build on comedic worlds. Yeah, like, let's stop it. It's kind of uh, like uh, I don't know. It currently it has a sixty six percent, so it looks like it's more mixed. I wasn't the biggest fan of the first one. I didn't see the first one. It's it's okay. I mean, it's not. It's not great, but it's it's all right. I'm sure this one will be funny, they but they don't have its moments. I'm sure. No, no, we, be, what are you thinking on uh, neighbors two? Go. I'm gonna go fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. All right. I'll say sixty-two on that. And then finally, we have the Angry Birds movie. Fuck it. Uh, what? 
There's one part of the trailer that makes me laugh, and it's when the one yellow bird they they fling the yellow bird and he goes through the the castle and at the end he comes out the other side and he goes, It was a house of horrors. That was funny, but that's that's all it is. We, I, I, why why is this a thing? Why I don't Well understand. I feel like I feel like he came maybe three years too late, first of all. Well you have that. I feel like the Angry Birds hype is pretty much over with. This is one of those types of movies where there should be collectively everyone should just ignore it just ignore it don't talk about it don't review it just act like it doesn't exist uh, I mean, there's no know. reason for covering the angry birds movie i mean i'm not gonna see it but it it has a pretty strong voice cast we got jason sudeikis josh gad danny mcbride maya rudolph bill Hader, peter dinklage sean penn keegan michael key kate mckinnon hannibal burris Still, Tony it's Hale. Angry, it's Angry Birds. Jillian Bell. Wow. It's a game where you, th- you throw birds or you launch birds. I don't know. I never played Angry Birds. I don't know what it is. You launch them. You launch them. Is it like that old game where you would have to like figure out your trajectory? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a physics. Yeah, it's a physics. And they're just based like, Ooh, game. Make, a, make a cute bird. Yeah. I mean, the, ga- the game, there's nothing original about the game whatsoever. It's been done a million times before that. Yeah, but for some reason think. it was just really popular. Uh, I'll say fifty-eight on Angry Birds. I'm gonna say thirty-eight. All right. In limited release next week, we have let's look the Measure of a Man. We have Weiner, the documentary about Anthony Weiner. We have a movie called Margarita with a Straw. Not familiar with that one. Mar- Margarita with a straw. Yeah. Uh, one called Maggie's Plan, Manhattan Night, also known as Manhattan Nocturne, okay. with Adrian Brody, terrible poster, uh, Penelope Cruz in Mama, Almost Holy, which was also known as Crocodile Gennady, which I saw at uh, Tribeca last year. Good stuff. Really good documentary. Highly recommend it. Currently has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. Yeah, th- it's, it's pretty crazy. I would I would definitely recommend it. It'll probably be one of the one of my top documentaries of the year. Uh Welcome to Happiness, which I saw at uh Dances with Films last year, I wanna say. That's an interesting one. Um kind of a dramatic comedy, but it's got this kind of uh Charlie Kaufman esque or maybe even a Wes Anderson esque uh vibe to it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Hard sell. Uh, that doesn't look very good, and that's it. So basically, check out Nice Guys and Almost Holy. But Almost Holy is gonna be available on. Is it gonna be available on VOD? Actually, I don't have it on my list here, so I'm not sure that it will be available on VOD. Uh, next week on VOD, we do have uh Divine Access that comes out on Tuesday, and then Friday we have Song of Lahore. We the People, Welcome to Happiness, Manhattan Night, Hard Sell, and The Damned. So, solid, solid VOD list next week. I'll be checking out The Damned. It's a, it's a rockumentary. Rockumentary about the punk band The Damned. Watch out. I would give a light recommend to Welcome to Happiness. And, uh, yeah, those, those would be the two that I would recommend on VOD. 
Blu-ray next week. This is for May 17th. We got The Witch. I will have a Blu-ray review of that up. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, uh, let's see, Dirty Grandpa. Oh, God, what an awful cover. Freaking Robert De Niro with his pants down around his ankles. Like, he, he probably looks at that, and he's like, what have I become? It's terrible. Uh, Dementia, which was a interesting thriller. I think I have a review for that up on the site. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, not a whole lot going on here. Uh, Assassination Classroom, Season 1, Part 1, Limited Edition Blu-ray. Oh, boy. Watch out. Pretty much it. Arrow is is releasing Hired to Kill from 1990, which has me kind of interested. What do we got on the old Criterion front? Yeah, we got one one Criterion, 1960. The Naked Island, Nito Shindo. Hmm. Which sounds really interesting. Documentary like Dialogue Free. Uh, family lives on a tiny remote island. They must row a great distance to another shore, collect water from a well in buckets, and row back to their island. All right. Got a, apparently, it's got a phenomenal modernist score. It's a hypnotic experience. Hmm. Is how uh, Criterion is trying to sell that one. <laughs> okay. All right. But it's, and one of the weird things is one of the. Uh, I don't know why this is weird to me, but. One of the special features is a new appreciation of the film by Benicio del Toro. Uh, yeah, that's a little weird. But apparently, he's he's a big fan of it. <laughs> okay, all right, strange. Uh, all right, I think that that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com/filmpulse and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we will see you next week. (laughs) 